0: Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life, and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. How we doing? All right, let's try that again. Good morning, how we doing? There we go. Hey, before we get started, there's two things that I want to say. Uh, First and foremost is we just want to give a big shout out to everyone who came and served yesterday. Uh, For Children of the City, it was Super Saturday. And Pastor Joyce is um, towards the end of today's service. She's going to talk a little more about that. But uh, there was over 40 people that accepted Christ. 40. 40 kids and around 20 adults that accepted Christ yesterday, which is what it's all about. And so make some noise for that. Like that's something to get excited about. The other thing is um, today is Pentecost Sunday, which gets me excited because it is the birth of the New Testament church roughly 2000 years ago. Um, And so, happy Pentecost Sunday to you all, and my hope is is that today we can experience the same thing that the original apostles did on that Pentecost Sunday, and that God's presence would just fall in this place today. How many of you guys need a touch of God? How many of you want a touch of God? I know that I personally want a touch of God, and um, you know, there's not a lot that I know about everyone in this room. I, I know that we have... We have different preferences, right? We have different uh, types of food that we like. Do we have any foodies in the house? Did I say that right? Foodies? People that are like very particular of like, this is what I want to try, and you're going to go spend $200 on a plate of meat. Anyone? I had Wagyu steak like a week and a half ago. Changed my life. I felt like I was getting baptized in the Holy Spirit all over again, all right? Um, it, was, it was amazing. Uh, some of us have different, different music preferences, right? Some of us like hip-hop, some of us like classical, some of us jazz, some of us country. Don't raise your hand if you like country. Uh, we will forgive you, and we're going to pray for your salvation as well. Um, Garth Brooks style, right? And so, uh, but many of us, we have different preferences. He, even church preferences of of us coming to church, what time church is, the style of music, how are we going to worship? Is it going to be liturgical or is it going to be uh, more expression like we see here? Is it going to be, um, is the preacher going to get up and, and bore me with the lecture or is he going to yell at me or is he just going to talk to me? I think I'm going to talk to us all today. All right, that is, that is y'all laughing at me. That is, that is my hope. But we all have, we have different preferences. We all have different things in our life that we prefer over the other, right? Red pill or blue pill. That's a matrix uh, reference for those that were not born whenever the matrix came out. Like, I recognize I'm getting older, you know. But one of the things that regardless of where you are today in your spiritual journey regardless of what it is that brought you here, regardless of what you think about God or don't think about God, there's one thing I can say for a fact that all of us want in this room. One thing. You you may say, Michael, you you don't know, and I would say, yes, I, I do, because in some shape, form, or fashion, that's the one thing that you're after in this life, and it is simply this, to live a prosperous life. To live a prosperous life. Now, now some people, that looks one way. For some people, it is investing everything into the stock market and hustling and, and being the wolf on Wall Street. For other people, being a prosperous life is being a really good mom and dad. Like, but all of us are pursuing prosperity in our life. Prosperity in a sense to where we can live a life and a life to the fullest, a life of, a, of abundance. And I think about this for me as a father. I want my children to go further and faster than I could ever go in my life. I want my ceiling to be their ground, their floor level. I want to be able to lift up Judah and Ali and to see them run after the things of God, to see them run after Jesus Christ and to grow in that relationship, for them to, to have a passion for evangelism and a passion for the gospel, I want to see my kids experience that. And so all of us, in some form or fashion, we want to see our lives prosper. We do. And even as a child, remember as a child, whenever you would dream like, I asked this Judah to Judah the other day. He's like, hey, buddy, um, what do you want to be whenever you grow up? And he says, Dad, I just want to go jump on the trampoline. I'm like, okay, so we're not quite there to have a deep conversation about life. Um, totally not in my notes, but we were, we were driving. He we had a t-ball game yesterday, and Grandma's in the car, and so we're going. And, and I kid you not, Judah goes, hey, guys, I think I figured out the meaning of life. And my response was, is it 42 Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Y'all that have seen it, you would know what that means, the meaning of life. Um, and he goes, no, Dad, the meaning of life is death. And I'm like, all right, this is a very dark conversation. And then he goes, unless you have Jesus. And I was like, there we go. There we go. And so I was like, all right, we'll, we'll settle on that, right?" But all of us, in some shape, form, or fashion, we have dreams, we have desires, we have passions, we have things that we want to see succeed in life. As a church community, we want to see more people reached. We have a purpose, we have a passion, and we want to prosper in light of what the gospel has done for us. We want to see Sunset Park and Bay Ridge and Park Slope prosper with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We we want to see people radically impacted by the grace and the love of Jesus and be transformed from the inside out. And we shared this a few weeks ago, but there are three walls that keep us from living a prosperous life life the the first wall is the wall of the world the the culture that is indoctrinating us and ingrained in our society today where we celebrate sin and we reject holiness The the culture of this world that says, if you're not for me, then you're against me. And so even if we do disagree with the lifestyle or or particular choices, what's happened is we're seeing such a divide take place in America right now, in our world right now. The, The second wall that we see is the wall of our own flesh. The apostle Paul, he walked through this and he experienced this. Everyone loves Romans chapter eight, which is therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We all know that. But jump back a few verses to Romans chapter seven and he says, I do what I ought not to do and I don't do what I know I should do. Like it's, it's very like, I, I don't wanna sin, but I sin. I, I, I wanna pursue holiness and righteousness, but I end up sinning, right? And and that is what makes the grace of Jesus so prevalent to us today, is that when we find ourselves facing the opposition of ourselves, there is the grace of Jesus that will help us get through ourselves. And that wasn't even in my notes, all right? And so that rhymed, wasn't even in my notes. And then the third wall that we face is the wall of the enemy, of Satan. In in John 10, 10, it says that Satan goes around seeking whom he may devour, right? The the, the enemy comes at us like a roaring lion, but I, Jesus, came to give life and life abundantly. And, And I genuinely believe that the gospel calls for the people of God to walk in prosperity, to walk in abundance, to walk with purpose, to walk with passion, and to walk with a conviction, but what happens more often than not is, is like we're, we're not necessarily dealing with the walls of the culture that does come upon us. And more often than not, it isn't the enemy that's causing us to stub our toe or get a flat tire or be late for the subway. We're facing the wall of our own flesh. We're facing the wall of sin in our own life that we don't want to deal with. But I believe God desires for you and for me to live a life of prosperity. Now, before I go any further, because I know what some of you are thinking right now. Here we go. One of those prosperity gospels. I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about a gospel that it's name it and claim it and you don't do anything else. And you keep living like the world. You keep sinning. You keep sleeping with whoever. You keep looking at whatever. And you're just going to name it and claim it. And you're going to get that Bentley or that Escalade. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a prosperity gospel that comes from the heart of the gospel that says, I want to be prosperous in Christ and whatever Christ has for my life. I want to walk in that. I want to obtain that. I want to pursue that. You look at the original apostles, right? The original apostles, we can look at that and they, we could say they lived a prosperous life. They lived a prosperous life and the church was was born. The, the, the church, like literally opening day, 3,000 people came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That is walking in the prosperity that Jesus has called the church to do. But you know what we don't like to talk about a whole lot is how all of the disciples except for one, all of the apostles except for one were martyred for their faith. Peter was crucified upside down, right? We we know about that. What about the others that were were stoned? And and then we see that they tried to kill John. John wouldn't just die off, so they banished John. And and out of that, we get Grandpa John. He ends up writing um, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, right? And and, and so um, prosperity in light of the kingdom is us tapping into the kingdom and what the kingdom has for our life. And I believe God has a lot for your life. I believe God has a lot for this church. I believe God has a lot for this community and this city and that he is not done. But there are things that God requires of his people in order to step into that abundant life. And this is exactly where we're going to pick up in Joshua chapter 8 today set up a little bit of context of what's happening. Uh, Joshua and his men, they go back to the city of Ai, which by the way, give it up for Santi because he did a great job last week preaching about that. And so this is really just going to piggyback Right off of that. But, but Joshua and his men, they go back into uh, to attack AI. And this time they were victorious. They were victorious and they were celebrating and they were excited because they had just taken their second city captive and, and, and was essentially stepping into the promises of God. Now, normally in any military strategy, and you can just look on CNN or Fox News and see what's going on in the war in Ukraine because, because we're literally seeing this play out before our eyes. Um, but what, what ends up happening is normally what they would do is they would then, if they had a win, they would just keep going. They, the morale's high. People are excited. We just conquered something. There's fear on the land, so let's just keep moving. Let's just keep taking ground. But that is not what happens right here with Joshua. Joshua actually does something completely different. They retract and they go back to consecrate their heart before the Lord. You see, the reason I'm saying all this is because God told Joshua in Joshua chapter one that he was going to be prosperous. Let me let me just read this to you in verse 8. It says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that I have written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. And so God speaks to Joshua before they even cross over into the promised land, before the two spies and Rahab end up meeting up, before they conquer the city of Jericho, before they conquer the city of Ai, before they continue on into the promised land, before the sun stands still, which is next week, so come back and get excited because everyone loves the sun stands still message, right? Um, Before all of that, God tells Joshua in Joshua chapter one, you will be prosperous. You will be successful if, You meditate on my law. You meditate on my word. You keep my commandments. You keep my commandments. And so this is what we see in Joshua chapter 8. Is the people of God, the Israelites, just had a huge successful battle. Everyone's celebrating and excited and happy. And Joshua says, let's retreat and let's seek God. Chapter eight, verses 30 says, and at that time, Joshua built an hour, an hour, built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel on Mount uh, Ebel, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord had commanded the people of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has welded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and a sacrifice, sacrificed peace offerings, verse 32. And there in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. And all of Israel, sojourners as well as native-born, with their elders and officers and their judges, stood on the opposite side of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Half of them were in front of Mount Grismal, don't judge me. And half of them were on Mount Ebel. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded, at the first, at the first, Santi talked about the principle of the first last week. To bless the people of Israel. Then verse thirty-four. And afterward he read all the words of the law and the blessings and the curse, according to all that was written in the book of law. And there was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before the assembly of Israel, and the woman and the little or the women and the little one and the sojourners who lived among them. I want you to think about this. They just had a victory. They just had success. And what did they do? Let's build an altar. Let's worship and sacrifice. Let's pray. And let's read and meditate on the commands of God. Now, they were prosperous. They just experienced big success in their life. They, they just had great things take place. Joshua, shouldn't we just go on and, and, and go to the next battle? Our, the morale's high. Like, well, come, Joshua, let's just run after it. Like, we can go to the next city, you know? And, and, and people are they, are, they are fearful. They're shaking. They've got trepidation in their heart. Joshua, let's go. No, 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 no. Let's build an altar before the Lord. See, there are three things I believe God gives us in this text right here that will help lead us to live that prosperous life. Live that life of success. Live that life of, of, of seeing people impacted for the gospel. Live the life where our family is in unity and harmony with each other. And I'm not saying it's going to be perfect all the time. That is not at all what I'm saying. But it is going to, you're going to find fulfillment in it because you're able to walk out what it is that Jesus has placed inside of you. The first thing that we see is that they built an altar of worship. They built an altar of worship, which I think is beautiful right here. They just experienced success. So let's build an altar of worship. Now, I'm sure that there are men that were probably in the army that were saying, no, Joshua, let's just keep going. Let's just keep fighting after it. Let's just keep pursuing. And oftentimes in my life, I can find myself in that same way. We experience a win, we experience a success, and the next thing I wanna do is go on to the next challenge. I, I wanna go on to the next hurdle that I have to face. Like, thank you, Jesus, you, you know, and bless the missionaries, amen, and, and then just like, all right, what's next? What's next? But, but if, if we do that, what ends up happening is we end up delaying our worship to Adonai. We delay our worship to our Heavenly Father. And I, I don't know about you, but you can you can have a little bit of like, thank you, Jesus and his presence comes upon you and you can get going for a little while. But there starts to hit that point where life catches up with you. You know what I'm talking about? You, you start sleeping in or staying up later. And then the next thing you know, you don't have any more Holy Spirit inside of you that is like pushing you along saying, hey, you can do this because you've neglected to get on your face and to worship the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Our delay in worship is going to do nothing but lead to disappointment. Our delay in our worship is not going to bring us success. It's not going to bring us joy. If anything, it's going to bring us anxiety and fear. And it's going to lead us to a place of being disappointed. And, And let me just say this. When we delay our worship, we are then delaying the blessings of God on our life. When we delay our worship, we delay the blessings of God. This is something that I'm learning, and I feel like I'm constantly learning. It's now become a running joke between Christy and I. Um, But I've found myself in ministry, and I'm sure anyone who's been in ministry for more than a year or two can tell you this. Pastor Joyce can tell you, Pastor Victor and Millie. They can tell you um, that, that you just find yourself, when things settle down, I'll do this. Have you ever said that? When 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 ministry just settles down a little bit, I, I've been saying that for like fifteen years. Guess what? It ain't ever slowed down. It ain't ever settled down. If we're constantly waiting for life to settle down, you're gonna be led to disappointment because life is not going to settle down. It's it's not. And, and I, I've found myself in that trap so many times. And what it is, is I'm just setting myself up with false expectations that are going to end up leading me to a place of failure. And I'm not talking about failure as I've done anything bad. Failure is me not getting in the presence of God. Failure is me not worshiping Jesus with all that I have. I love what it says in verse 31 as well. And just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel, as it was written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. Now, I think that that's interesting. I want to talk about worship for just a moment. I want to talk about where we are in our relationship with Christ, because Joshua said, let's build an altar. But these stones, they, they can't look pretty. Come on. They, I don't want the stuff that looks nice. I want the untouched stones that have never been used to wield iron for battle, is what it's referencing, that are not pretty, that have not been smoothed out, that have not been polished, that have not been made to look nice on the outside, I want those stones, according to the law, to be used to build an altar for us to worship our God on. Wow. See, that's Old Testament. Now, New Testament, do you know what the altar is? Us. And how often do we buy into the lie that I have to clean myself up before I can get into the presence of God? How often do we buy into the lie that I've got to make sure I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and I'm attending this, and I'm going to that, and I'm making sure this is taken care of, and I haven't, I haven't touched a cigarette in three days, and I'm not out there drinking, and I'm not doing this before I can get into the presence? Of God. How often do we find ourselves trying to purify our own self, which is going to just lead us to failure before we get into the presence of God? And, church, I'm here to tell you you want to know what God desires from us? Unclean, not pretty, messed up, (laughs) dirty stones to build an altar for the Lord to invade. I, I have seen so many people, and I just love having these conversations, because they're like, I would love to go to church, man, I so want to go to church, but if I walk into the church, the walls are going to burn down, and then which I respond, the church is made out of cement, and guess what, cement doesn't burn very easily, so come on in, right? Because God does not look for pretty. God does not look for perfect. God looks for a heart that is not pretty, but is rough around the edges to be able to go into the presence of God. And then from there, we allow the presence of God to invade. And if God wants to smooth you out and polish you up and make you from looking like a piece of coal to being a diamond, God can do that. That is God's responsibility. Your responsibility is to worship the Lord. So, God, I I cussed out this worker, yes, last night, but I I worship you today. God, I flipped this person off on the subway, but I worship you today. God, I was yelling at my kids yesterday, oh, Father, I need your help with that, but I'm going to worship you today. God, I don't have it all. Church, could we just grab a glimpse of what God can do with people who would abandon their hearts for worship? The jump was not planned. I promise you, man. The other thing, the other thing that you say, I want to make sure I'm good with your time too. They built an altar of prayer. They like, I, and you know here. Look, we're just gonna have a real talk for just a minute. We know the scripture. If my people will humble themselves, repent of their ways, and cry out to me, right, I will do great and mighty things among them. We also know the scripture, Luke 18, of the nagging widow, who's just like, I want justice, I want justice, I want justice, I want justice. And finally, the judge gets so frustrated and says, here's your justice. We know of the stories in the Old Testament where people would go onto the threshing floor and they would cry out to God, literally beating their fist on the ground. We know about Jeremiah, who's the weeping prophet. Do you know that Jeremiah also cried out to God and said, God, you have deceived me and abandoned me? Like again, going back to those uncut stones, those dirty stones, God desires and longs for us to be real with Him, with our prayers, like to to, and and here's the thing, guys. I can't watch the news right now because it's it's so it filled with just violence and shootings and uh, deception and just the stuff that the world is celebrating, and then. We're trying to pass these laws. And I think there was a new law that just passed in Albany on, on Thursday or Friday. And we're going we're to control this. And we're going we're to take this away. And we're going to do that. And I'm not, I'm not here to get political. But laws are not going to fix the problem in our nation. What's going to fix the problem in the nation is not if America cries out. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. The people of God cry out. The people of God lament. The the people of God get on the threshing floor, and they start crying out for Him. This this whole day, and and, and I, I I don't know why I was telling Pastor Victor this, but there's just there's just this heaviness that's on me today. And and it isn't it isn't one of those bad. You know how you like you go into a room, and you're just like I'm not supposed to be here. Something's bad. It's about to go down, and you, you, you ever been there? Anyone? Yes. It's like, all right. Um, it isn't that. It, it's it's a, a weightiness that I believe is from the Holy Spirit today. That if, if we could just get a glimpse of worship, if we could get a glimpse of what it looks like to be a church that prays, and y'all do really good at praying, but what if we could do more? What if we would cry out even harder? What if, what if we could just go to God when we're frustrated? Look, I've been there. God, I am frustrated at you right now, but I'm going to worship you. I, I, I don't know what you're doing right now, God. The delay, the frustration, like, uh, God, do you not see me? But I'm going to worship you, and I'm going I'm to praise you. I believe that we are in a pivotal time right now as a society and that this right now is the finest hour for the church to rise up and to be the church of Jesus Christ. You know what they were doing on Pentecost Sunday 2,000 years ago? I'll tell you what they weren't doing. They weren't going to Starbucks and getting their mocha frappuccino latte caramel macchiato. Mine's a triple venti white mocha. And it's got like 700 calories. After three of those a day, my body was like, hey, I think you're done. But they, they, they weren't getting together and, you know, just playing Go Fish. They, they weren't sitting there and comparing our church to another church. And, well, you know, I hear Andrew's going to end up leading that church over there. And he's going to do a great job. And what about this person over there? They, they weren't getting together and playing Xbox. They were praying. They were praying. They were, pr- they were praying. God, we need you to move. God, we need you to move. Father, we... We don't know what's going on. Could you just imagine Peter in the upper room, 120 other people up there, they're just gathered and they're just, we don't know what's next. All we know is we need to be unified and we need to cry. We need to cry out. We're gonna be unified and we're gonna cry out. And so Jesus we, we don't know what to do. Father, we don't know what to do. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what's going to take place. We know the Romans are chasing us. We know the people are coming against us. We know that we've been persecuted, and I'm sure it's going to keep going. But God, you said that you would send something, something I think called the Holy Spirit. And, and God, I, I think we need the Holy Spirit because I don't know how much more I can keep going with this. And then you got Andrew over here, and you got John over here, and they just start crying out, yes, God, we need your Holy Spirit. Jesus did say that you would send that Holy Spirit. And so I don't know what it looks like, but would you just pour out on us afresh? Would you just do something new today, God? And they kept praying and they kept praying and they kept praying and they kept praying and unity rose up in the house and whenever unity rose up in the house, the Holy Spirit fell like tongues of fire and something came upon them and they walked out of that upper room of this little house and they went out to where the temple was and they started proclaiming the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ and 3,000 people got saved. That is our origin. That is our origin. But it starts with prayer. It starts with worship. It starts with us crying out that God, we need you. We're going to pray in a few minutes, but I want to make I want to make sure. I want to make sure that I don't miss this third one because I believe this third one is neglected and is just as important. It's something I want to say about prayer. Like, like this upcoming Tuesday at 7:30 p.m., we're going to gather collectively as a church and we're going to pray. And I'm not talking about, you know, God help me pass this test. I'd be really good. I mean, please pray that if you need to pray that. But I'm talking about we're going to enter into the presence of God. And we're going to call out for God to move. And we're going to shout. We're going to get a little charismatic. Because praying and worshiping the scripture gets a little loud. So let's get a little loud. Tuesday, 730. Be here or be square. SpongeBob style. All right. The third thing that I want to say, or the third thing I guess that we see in here, is that there is a deep, deep focus on the Word of God. A deep focus on the Word of God. They, verse 34, said, Afterwards, he, he being Joshua, read all the words of the law the blessing and the curse according to all that is written in the book of law and there was not one word not one word that all that Moses had commanded Joshua that he did not read before the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones and the sojourners the outcasts who lived among them could you just imagine just picture this they build this altar of uncut stones and they offer a sacrifice of worship, a sacrifice of peace. And they start worshiping at this altar. And they start praying at this altar. And then Joshua gets up and he opens up, or for him, he grabs the tablet and he starts reading the word of the Lord over the nation of Israel. Literally starts reading. The word of God. I, I think some of us are looking for a prophetic word. And you don't open this thing up. Some of you are looking for a confirmation in your life. God, if the prophet would just come up to me and tell me that I'm supposed to take that job, then I would take it in the name of Jesus. God, I need that prophet to come speak to me. Lord, come prophesy. Somebody come prophesy over me. Meanwhile, God's like, hey, I want you to open up your Bible. And I want you to get into the word. I I, I want you to focus on what my word says about you. Some of us, we look for the prophetic words. We look for the confirmation. And those do happen, and they are good, and they are needed. They are applicable, apart to the body of Christ. But if we're pursuing the gift without pursuing the gift giver, then we've got it wrong. We've got it wrong. It's just like Judah, who's going through summer-itis right now. He is two and a half weeks of school being wrapped up. And we sat down, sit down with him every school night. And he has to read for 15, 20 minutes. And he has to do his reading and spelling test, homework, whatever. And then he's got to do his math problems. And you know what? My son, who thinks that he's 25 right now, is like, I'm not doing this. I'm like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Why? Because I'm doing this even though you don't like it so that this will be ingrained in you and that you get the proper education so that you can go further and faster than mom and dad. The same thing is true parents with your children. This is not a fairy tale. This is not make you feel good thing. This is the living word of God that is sharper than any double-edged sword and the best thing that we can do is we can get our face off of the Facebook and get our face into the book and start reading and going into the word of God and studying it and then teaching it to our children and getting them to start memorize scripture because what's going to happen is it's going to start to get ingrained in their little hearts and as they grow older and they, they go out to college and they do their thing they have now been built with this as their foundation and they will not be shaken they will not be shaken we encounter God in our daily lives through worship through prayer through scripture and other means prescribed by God and that other means is Holy Communion and baptism and stuff like that that God may have us do periodically. But daily worship, prayer, scripture. Worship, prayer, scripture. Worship, prayer, scripture. Worship, prayer, scripture. If you get nothing out of this today, you take this home. Worship, prayer, scripture. You want to live a prosperous life? Worship, prayer, Scripture, Matthew six thirty three. seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and all of this will get added unto you. Well, what does that look like? Worship, prayer, scripture. You want to see your family succeed? Worship, prayer, scripture. You need breakthrough in your life? Worship, prayer, scripture. You want to see the next mountain come down? Worship, prayer, scripture. You want to experience a new fresh anointing? Worship, Prayer, scripture. You want to have tongues of fire fall on you? Worship, prayer, scripture. You want to experience a breakthrough and healing in your family? Worship, prayer, scripture. These three things is the prescription to live in a prosperous life according to the Word of God. And the reason many of us are not living a prosperous life is because we do not do these three things worship, prayer, scripture. Then I just want to read this, and kind of three subpoints. And I just want to close out with us. I want to encourage us to stop focusing on sin. What? See, if we keep focusing on sin, we're going to find that that becomes our identity, and that we keep sinning. We keep keep going after it, it's just like I'm going to overcome pornography. I'm going to overcome pornography, and then all that we think is is that's all we are. But but the word of God says. This word of God that some of you guys need to take off your bookshelf, you need to blow the dust off of and open up, be like, oh, there's red letters in here. I had no idea. Like, um, but but the, the word of God says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the Perfector of our faith. See, if we would stop focusing on sin and start focusing on Jesus, Jesus would tend to all the sin in our life. Oh, wait, he already did. It's called the cross, the grave and the resurrection. See, that, that fixing our eyes on Jesus, I don't know why Jesus is over here, but Jesus is over here right now. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, I'm looking at that camera. We see you, or you see us. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And all of this, it'll deal with itself. The, the second thing is prioritize the commands of God. Santi talked about it last week, prioritizing the first of giving, Prioritizing worship, prioritizing scripture, prioritizing prayer, prioritizing love. And then the third thing is we need to just stay focused on the first. Focused on the first. what What is the first? It's Jesus. Focus on his kingdom. Focus on his righteousness. Focus on his blessings. Now, I, I want to invite you to just stand with me for you can go on and stand up. I guess I'm wrapping up now. But I want to read this to you. This is Colossians chapter three. And I want you to just close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes because I want us to meditate on the words that I'm about to read. That this is not the words of Michael. This is not the words of Res Church. These are the words of God spoken over your life and spoken over my life. He writes, If then, You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things of this earth. For you, you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. That is the word of the Lord. I say this as I close out. If you find yourself in a place where you don't have peace, if you find yourself in a place where you're not prioritizing him, if you find yourself in a place where you just feel empty and broken inside, maybe you've never made that decision to put Jesus first in your life. And we want to give you that opportunity to be able to do that. And so I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Joyce. And I want to challenge all of us. Let's let him be first in our life. Through worship, prayer, and scripture. Father God, we need you, God. Father, our world needs you. Our church needs you. Our family needs you. Our own lives need you, God. Father, I just ask that this morning your spirit would fall in this place. Your Holy Spirit would rest in this place, God. Father, let our hearts be made clean. Let our eyes be fixed and focused on you. And let's see you do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.